Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. You have survived it. You made it through the weekend. Congratulations. You get to get back at it now. And just imagine what it might be in store for your week. Praise be to God. You know, it's not just agnostics, atheists who are leaving the church in droves. According to latest statistics, it's still happening, unfortunately. The great nun category continues to grow. But there's also a a bit of a trend, at least from my perspective, of people that I have been acquainted with online who are leaving the church for the East, which made me think, I wonder, what what does that mean to leave for the East? You know, know, Eastern Orthodox uh, types of churches, like, for instance, the Greeks. Um, Is this possible for a Roman to do so? Is it okay for a Roman to do so? What are the ramifications of it? What does it look like? We're going to have a conversation about that with Michael Lofton on the program at 35 past the hour. Also on the program coming up at 15 past, we're going to talk about the state of the union of the Catholic literary arts. Uh, The golden age of creative writing in the Catholic world. When was that and why did it decline? What do we need to do to bring it back? Should we bring it back? And what's at stake if we don't? That's the conversation we're going to have with James Matthew Wilson, professor of humanities and co-founder of a new MFA program at University of St. Thomas about Catholic literary arts. You know, as a as a parent of a daughter who is big, let's just say huge into uh, writing, um, I'm interested in this conversation. So we're going to have that coming up at 15 past. So there's a lot to talk about today. By the way, Mel Gibson's got a video out. (laughs) We haven't heard from Mel in a while. And uh, he's got a video out where he he uh, came out in support of canceled priests over the weekend. I found that very interesting. But uh, there's a lot in the news to discuss. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Anything in the news you found uh, fascinating? Um, just the backfire that um, all the Republican states have had against the mandated vaccination uh, really? requirements. It's uh Definitely increasing in number, so that's uh, interesting to hear. I think I heard Alan Dershowitz say he did not believe that these requirements would stand constitutional muster and they would be thrown out in court. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But, you know, Biden announced uh, some global initiatives. So global oh, mandates coming. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. I huh? didn't realize he had power over the global. Uh, most powerful man in the world, don't you? The president's <laughs> always the most powerful man. Someday, the, I guess, the most powerful woman in the world will be. But uh, <laughs> apparently he likes what's happening in Australia right now. So he's like, mm, this mm. could be good. We should we should implement this around the world. Interesting. Yeah. Fascinating, isn't it? Well, uh, we'll see if those uh, lawsuits do uh, come, come out uh, in favor of those against. I know there are massive rallies. Tens of thousands of people for like two months straight rallying in France. Uh, we've also seen massive rallies in South America and in uh, even in Australia and other places around the world. So there's a lot of people who are speaking. Canada had huge rallies over the weekend mm-hmm. against the mandates yeah, and the lockdowns, passports mm-hmm. and all of that. Speaking of which, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. 
you know, it's funny because me and my friends yesterday were talking about this and we were saying, you know, if they had if they mandated us to go and just like inject vitamin C into us, <laughs> at this point we'd be against it just for the just for the, like, <laughs> right. the political control. Yes, right. I mean, if that was your goal, the best thing you could have done, I got to I got to mute my thing in the background. It's causing us problems. But the best thing we could have done was just uh, you know, play to the goodwill of neighbors, helping neighbors. Instead, we played this mandate crazy thing, and it's really had some backlashes for sure. Um, speaking of which, how was, your, how was your week? Anybody do anything interesting? I went to the uh, women's clinic, which in Houston, if you don't know, the women's clinic is a pseudonym for abortion clinic. Uh, very clever naming. Uh, and we went out there to go pray outside the abortion clinic. And the great thing was... It was so empty. I usually, we go out there Praise pretty God. periodically and always on Saturdays, there's people coming in and out all day long. When we were there, it was just a small trickle. One person came every maybe 30, 20, 30 minutes. And I was really blown away by how few people came. So what a blessing yeah. that was. And uh, then I got to, uh, afterwards, we debated with the Protestant guy that was there, uh, which was pretty fun. So I, overall, a good day. <laughs> you, you, you could be in the middle of a desert. You'll find someone to debate. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. It's, I'm sure. It's my primary pastime. <laughs> it's your primary pastime. <laughs> That's oh, that's fun. fun. Well, praise God for it. All right, we're going to have a great show. We're going to have breaking news and stories now. And then, of course, uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And then we'll do a What's Concerning Us at 15 Past to talk about the state of Catholic literature. Where are we at now and what do we need to do to fix that? And then at 35 past the hour, we're going to talk with Michael Lofton about going east. But if time permits, I also want to bring up the the conversation about our, the Wilton Gregory on Joe Biden and when life begins. So if we have time, we'll jump into that as well. But let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember... O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice, and here are your headline news for today. From LifeSite News, top story this week, at least 20 Republican states have announced that they may take legal action to block the Biden administration's COVID-19 vaccination requirements for tens of millions of American workers in the private sector. Dozens of Republican governors and state attorneys general general quickly slammed the new COVID-19 rules unveiled by Joe Biden in a speech this past week, which included a dictate to force U.S. businesses with more than 100 employees to require workers either to take the coronavirus vaccine or undergo undergo weekly testing. Also from LifeSite News, an Arizona attorney general gave took Sun 30 days to reverse a vaccine mandate or losing up to $175 million in funding. The city has halted a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for employees after the Arizona Attorney General threatened to withhold millions of dollars of funding from the city. Also from LifeSite News, infants as young as six months 
old may soon be eligible for the aborted tainted COVID-19 shot and BioNTech receives approval for the jab it, it developed in collaboration with Pfizer. A German biotech company that manufactured a COVID-19 shot with Pfizer will seek to get needles in the arms of kids ages 5 to 11 this month. An infant and toddlers ages 6 months to 2 years should have a vaccine before the end of the year, according to the German biotech company. Also, from LifeSite News, United Airlines will put employees with religious med- with, with religious and medical COVID vaccine exemptions on unpaid leave. Those who continue to decline the vaccination without being granted a medical or religious exemption will be fired. United Airlines delivered a letter to its employees holding a seeking religious medical exemption. Quote, Get vaccinated before October 2nd or be placed on unpaid leave. Other employees who continue to decline the vaccination without being granted a medical or religious exemption will be fired, according to United Airlines. From Blaze News, Surgeon General says Biden administration will monitor exemptions to COVID vaccine mandates. Surgeon General D. Vivek Murthy revealed Sunday the Biden administration will police exemptions to President Biden's mandates. From Blaze News, the entire police department in Missouri City abruptly resigns, leaving rural Missouri town without a city police. A rural town in southern Missouri will be without a police department temporarily as all policemen have resigned from their positions. From Blaze News, the Los Angeles Unified School District is mandating that all students eligible to get vaccinated against COVID must do so. Do so. Students ages 12 and older must be vaccinated, and it does not appear that there will be religious exemptions for these children in Los Angeles School District. From ups, ups, in upstate New York hospitals, it has been said they soon will pause the delivery of babies due to a maternity unit workers quitting their jobs because of the COVID vaccine mandates. Despite mandates for healthcare workers, some healthcare workers are refusing to receive the coronavirus vaccine, which has caused hospitals to be short staffed, unfortunately. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Monday. The saint of the day is St. John Chrysostom, which is uh, one of Joe's favorite saints to quote during this segment. He is born in 347 at Antioch in Asia Minor. His father died when he was very young. and He was raised by a very pious mother. He was well-educated and studied rhetoric under Libianus and was one of the most famous orators of his day. He was a monk, a preacher, and a priest for a dozen years in Syria while there he had developed a stomach ailment which troubled him for the rest of his life. It was for his sermons that John earned the title Chrysostom, which means golden-mouthed. His sermons were always on point. They explained the scriptures with clarity, and they sometimes went on for hours. And you thought your uh, priest's sermons were long. He made a reluctant bishop of Constantinople in 398 in a move that involved him in imperial politics. 
He criticized the rich for not sharing their wealth and fought to reform the clergy. He prevented the sale of ecclesiastical offices and called for the fidelity in marriage. He encouraged practices of justice and charity and been and the archbishop and patriarch of Constantinople. And he revised the Greek liturgy, which is known as the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. Because John's sermons advocated a change in their lives, some nobles and bishops worked to remove him from his diocese. He was twice exiled from his diocese. He was banished to Pythus and died on the road. He was a Greek father of the church and proclaimed a doctor of the church in 451. He died in 407 of natural causes. St. John Chrysostom, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Again he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he taught them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Others, other seed fell on rocky ground where it had not much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and since it had no root in it, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, there's so much that I could be saying on this. A bead and Chrysostom, of course. Theophilicate, many said some incredible things. Theophilicate brought a great point about the seed that fell on bad soil. Not thrown, not cast there, but fell there because the, the husbandman would, would only throw his seed onto good soil. There's a lot uh, of great thinking on that that I would love to dive into, but there's just not enough time. Here's what Chrysostom did say. And indeed, the real husbandman, if he sowed in this way, would be rightly blamed, for he is not ignorant that rock or the road or thorny ground cannot become fertile. But in spiritual things, it is not so. For there it is possible that stony ground may become fertile. Boy, let's leave it there, but maybe in the next hour we'll dive deeper. Let's pray that our hearts, our stony little hearts, will become more fertile. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk about Catholic literature. What is the state of the union? How do we fix that? All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We are killing 
unborn children by the millions. Yet how many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone? Where are you? Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, coming up at 35 past the hour, Michael Lofton is going to be our guest. He is with Reason and Theology. We're going to have a conversation about the, the part of the exodus going on in the Catholic Church these days, and unfortunately the stats don't look great on that. But uh, it's not just an agnostics or atheists who are leaving the church. Uh, there are many people that I've met uh, personally, have acquaintances with, who are, are going east, and I want to talk about that. So that's coming up uh, with Michael Lofton at 35 past the hour. Joining us uh, r- joining us right now via telephone is James Matthew Wilson. He is professor of humanities, co-founder of a new MFA program in creative writing at the University of St. Thomas down in the Houston area, uh, but doesn't live there. He's up, uh, I guess, in Michigan. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Mr. James Matthew Wilson. Good morning. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for your time today. I want to start by asking you, what is the state of the union, so to speak, on Catholic literature, on Catholic creative writing? Well, there's there's divided opinion on that. About uh, eight years ago, the um, poet and former director of the National Endowment for the Arts, uh, Dana Joya, published an essay called The Catholic Writer Today, where he pointed out a sort of disturbing figure, and that's we Catholics constitute roughly a quarter of the population in the United States, but our presence as, um, as both uh, literary and, and cultural figures is almost non-existent. Now, that, was, that, that seems kind of absurd. How can 25% of the population have virtually no influence in our public culture, in shaping, um, the, uh, shaping our American civilization? And, but that was, in, in one sense, a little exaggerated. There, in fact, are lots of um, important Catholic writers today in both fiction and poetry, in screenwriting and dramatic writing, and in nonfiction. The, the unfortunate situation was that those um, figures seldom, as it were, get admitted into our public culture as Catholics. And that's a great loss because, as I'm sure your listeners know well, the Catholic Church offers the full truth about man. And so if the arts are in part about understanding the human condition, then a whole swath of human experience was being ignored and overlooked. And if the arts are about um, exposing us to the beautiful so that our, that our minds are transformed and are made more capable of knowing God and loving him and, uh, and contemplating him, then the arts are not fulfilling their role in the role that they should be playing in the development of the human person to know and love and contemplate God. So his essay was a little bit of a provocation, but it got a lot of writers saying, we are here 
and we want to do exactly the kinds of things that, that Dana was talking about. Uh, my new program is an opportunity for those very writers to develop and hone their craft and to to just become great writers, but to do it with a sort of intentional, um, uh, following sort of an intentional path to um, to write great works that meaningfully contribute both to American literature, but also uh, to the great beauties and cultural achievements of the Catholic Church. We're talking with James Matthew Wilson, uh, again, professor of humanities and co-founder of a new MFA program at UST. Uh, What about the golden age of Catholic literature? I think many of us might say it was the Inklings, you know, or or of that time or G.K. Chesterton. What would you say? When was like when was the height, the peak of Catholic literature? Well, happily, I think we have many golden ages. Uh, you know, uh, tomorrow is the 700th anniversary of the death of Dante Alighieri, and Dante's Divine Comedy is not only the great Catholic poem, it's the, it's the greatest um, epic poem that Western civilization produced after uh, Homer and Virgil. Mm. So there's one golden age, but I think you're right. Um, in the early 20th century, when you consider how great uh, Chesterton and Lewis and Tolkien were, with two of those three being um, uh, Catholics or Catholic converts, uh, that was a really impressive moment. And uh, the the major modern writers, such as T.S. Eliot, who of course eventually himself became an Anglo-Catholic, but the major modernists who wrote very difficult works, less accessible than Chesterton and Tolkien, they still really admired these figures because they saw that what they were doing was so just intrinsically great. And then those writers, uh, bore fruit uh, around mid-century. The, the golden age of Catholic literature in America is often referred to as in the 1950s when um, Flannery O'Connor, J.F. Powers, and then eventually Walker Percy all won the National Book Award. Mm. Um, in fact, something like nine out of 12 years, Catholic writers who wrote works that, where the, the Catholicism really suffused the books uh, won the National Book Award. So in terms of public recognition, that was kind of a golden age. So the problem in our day. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to ask you the follow-up question was, well, then what led to the decline? <laughs> Why is I there think, a need to restore? What, what were the causes? Well, so in the, after the Second World War, um, American culture in, in general kind of had a golden age. More people were going to um, college because of the GI Bill, and more people were uh, if they weren't getting exposed to it in their everyday life, were getting exposed in school to great works of literature, and there was, of course, the the trauma of the first world or the second world war, and people were asking the big questions about what's the purpose of our life when we're defending our civilization? What are we defending? And the answer to those questions is always going to be a religious one. Well, in the 1960s and thereafter, of course, we know that there was just a decline of that kind of what you might call existential and religious consciousness in American culture. Um, in one sense, we became too complacent. And in the other sense, we became too cynical and the anti-culture of the 60s developed. And that really narrowed the ambitions and scope of our arts. Um, artists are seldom as intelligent or as conscious <laughs> as the average person. They're usually lagging kind of a bit behind, but just find a way to give expression to what other people are thinking. And it's just our, our culture in general just became more imminentized and less concerned with the spiritual. Of course, we kind of hope that artists 
aren't always just following behind because it's the real hope for our program that if we provide a place where people who want to write literature that really matters, that tells great stories, that is beautiful, and that is capable of um, acting on the human soul, that if we just provide a place uh, and the kind of community where they can hone their crafts together, that, um, that they're going to produce new great works of art that the American public will want to read. Well, I think one of the problems we have right now is that we don't have a language in which to write in. Um, what I mean is, obviously, we write in English in America, at least mm-hmm. most of us do. Uh, but the uh, what I mean is, we don't know. We never were taught how to read, and we weren't taught how to write. School these days, we we kind of like I guess the seventies would probably be the peak of when uh, or the decline, the beginning of the decline of it. I've been reading. How to Read a Book by Adler, and it's shocking to me how we were never taught how to properly read past like a fifth or sixth grade level. Once we reached a certain point, it was impossible. And I remember going to University of St. Thomas in Houston, uh, how many students, like I was always told in high school, you're going to go to college, no one's going to help you, you're going to be assigned papers, you're going to know how to do it. But we spent half the first semester of our English class learning how to write an essay, and that like that was shocking to me. So how do we? Where do we go from here? I'm uh, I'm afraid that the pit is as deep as you just dug it with your words. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> we we are we are not uh, <clears throat> our civilization at the moment is not going to shatter any records for achievement. But um, <laughs> but we but but I think that um, that this is tied up with some of the the deeper questions that, that people have to ask about themselves is they're going to live halfway decently. Uh, it's, I find it impossible to believe that American culture can continue to, to live on the, the superficial and pretty much illiterate level that it, that it currently, uh, where it currently finds itself. So, um, so happily, of course, in the United States, there's been a great renewal of classical education at the lower grades. And this strikes me as more important than anything I'm going to do at a graduate program. Um, renewing the practice of of reading carefully of using the imagination as the great spark for um driving your education and also um emphasizing memorization and careful rhetoric all of these things are um, taking place in both uh, catholic and protestant and charter classical schools and that's going to prepare an entire generation because there are already millions of kids in these classical schools that's going to prepare an entire generation to be better readers than their parents were. Mm. So I put a lot of hope in that. Um, But I also think that, uh, and here's where my program comes in. People realize (laughs) that our, that our culture is a sloth of despond and some of them (laughs) just wallow in it. But most people really want to to live fulfilling lives, despite the fact that our, um, that our public culture has been kidnapped by the woke and by identity politics. They want to live decent lives. And so I'm just hoping that we can provide the kinds of, uh, we can help authors to both write and publish the kinds of books that people who want to be serious, who want to live fulfilling lives will want to read. Um, But again, as you say, there are a lot of challenges in our way. Uh, we just are almost about out of time here with uh, James Matthew Wilson, and uh, th- there's an article over on the Catholic thing um, that has a great quote from you. Uh, 
Mr. Wilson, and I'm just going to read a, a snippet here. It says, the human soul is ordered to the knowledge of reality, both the knowledge of created being and the God who is being itself. That human life is a spiritual drama about the struggle of re, uh, for redemption, about being conformed to reality through God's grace and our own free response to it. That being is deep and rich, not bare and simple. That works of fine art are made things that manifest being specifically as a as an intelligible splendor that everyone calls beauty. That to encounter a work of fine art is at once to encounter something good in itself, but also capable of changing one's life. That is, according to you, the principles for which you have co-founded this program, and we're very grateful uh, that you have, and pray that uh, it'll come out uh, with great results. What are your expectations? You got about a minute. What do you What do you hope to accomplish through the program? Well, so in the short term, our hope is just any writer, Catholic or otherwise, who cares about the spiritual potentiality of art to change both the individual soul and our culture. We want those people to feel welcome in our program, so that they're not just working at home alone which, of course, writers have to spend a lot of time doing, mm. but that they also have the kind of community that can make their work better because uh, it takes editing and harsh editing <laughs> to become a good writer. <laughs> so we want to help those people find a home and, you might say, um, a training ground. Uh, the next thing we want is we want to just begin to serve as a leaven for American and Catholic public culture so that the church rediscovers its love of beauty and uh, the incredible adventure of orthodoxy and that people outside the church come to discover through their encounter with beauty that their lives matter, that they're worth living, and but that they need to be redeemed. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. All right, James Matthew Wilson, thank you for your time today. The website is sttom.edu for those that are interested. Uh, that's stom.edu. James Matthew Wilson, thank you for your time today. God bless you and God love you. Thank you, Joe. Bye-bye. Have a great day. All right. We're going to go to a break, and we're going to come back. We're going to break in news and stories with Janice. And, of course, we're going to jump into a conversation with Michael Lofton from Reason and Theology about heading east. All of that coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Whenever Christians judge some behavior to be immoral, we're often hit with Matthew 7, 1, where Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. But this is a misreading of the text because just a few verses later in verse 5, he gives us precise instruction on how to judge. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus, therefore, is not saying that we can't judge a behavior to be immoral. His point is that we need to have a forgiving and merciful attitude toward others as God has toward us. And when we do judge a behavior to be wrong and encourage our brother to avoid it, we need to make sure that we're first a credible witness living an upright life. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From Epic Times, smartphones and wireless frequencies that runs that run them have revolutionized the way we live. But are they safe? Are, as we have been told, a federal court ruled that regulators must reconsider the nation's wireless safety standards due to an extensive evidence of harm. The wireless industry and its regula- regulators have long maintained that wireless technology is without risk, but there may be some harmful effects. From Epic Times, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a bill passed by the GOP-led legislation that that has designed has that has been designed to stop social media companies from censoring users based on their political statements or viewpoints. Also from Epic Times, almost 100 people gathered in front of the Los Angeles Police Department headquarters on September 8th to protest the government's policy of forcing frontline officers to be vaccinated, such as police officers and healthcare workers to be vaccinated against the CCP virus. From Epic Times, protesters in France for a ninth consecutive weekend took the streets to again rally against COVID-19 vaccine passports and mandates. Also from Epic Times, a number of U.S. businesses face supply crunch driven inflation, an input cost that says an unexpected to pass on higher prices to consumers. According to the Federal Reserve, many businesses expect to raise raise prices in face of higher input cost. Also from Epic Times, Toyota Motor Corporations and Honda Motor Corporations on Saturday have sharply been criticized as a proposal by the Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives is offering to give a union-made electric vehicles in the United States an additional 4500 tax incentive. From Epic Times, Canadians are taking to the streets and participating in rallies and marches across the country to protest against mandatory vaccinations and directives and other COVID restrictions, including recent requirements for vaccine passports by provincial governments. A tropical storm is coming to the Gulf of Mexico. Tropical storm Nicholas has been formed in the Gulf of Mexico and has strengthened as it is headed towards the Gulf Coast on Sunday through Wednesday, threatening heavy rains and floods in coastal areas of Texas, Mexico, and Louisiana. Women in Afghanistan can continue to study in universities, including postgraduate levels, But classrooms will be gender segregated and Islamic dress code is is composed for higher education ministers for the ruling of the Taliban terrorist group said Sunday. The Republican National Committee on September 10th has announced its plans to sue President Joe Biden's administration over its COVID-19 vaccine and testing mandates. And these are your headline news for this Monday, and have a blessed day. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janice, for keeping us up to date. Joining us uh, right now via Zoom chat is Michael Lofton from Reason and Theology Podcast. Good morning to you, Michael. Hey, good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. I am alive. 
And that counts. <laughs> I hear you. And that counts. It's good to see you again. I haven't. We haven't talked in months now. It seems uh, it's been a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Praise be to God. Good to be it, back on. It's good to see you yeah. again. You know, there's a couple of stories I'd love to bring up with you, uh, but one I want to start with is sort of the exodus of the church. We've all seen the statistics. A Pew Research comes out with them every couple of years, where we'll. We'll see uh, the great nun category in, continue to increase. So people leaving the church and becoming agnostic or practical atheists, uh, that is uh, obviously alarming and very concerning and, 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 and whatnot. It continues to grow, unfortunately. But I yeah. have in the past a couple of years in particular uh, noticed a trend of people I am acquainted with online. Now, I don't have deep friendships with these people, but I, I know these people, and they are uh, starting to leave the church for the East. And I don't mean, uh, like, for for example, the Byzantines that are in communion with Rome. I mean, like, Greek Orthodox or, or right. Russian or, you know, some of these uh, rites that ha- are not in complete communion with Rome. And I wanted to have a conversation around that. And I can, I, I kind of, I'm not a prophet, but if I, if I had to put money down, I would say this is probably going to increase this category. We're going to see more and more people looking for an out a way to avoid some difficulties that we're facing now in the Roman church. What do you say about this in general? Well, personally, I was one of those people who uh, left. I left for a few years for Eastern Orthodoxy, left Catholicism for Orthodoxy, because I was scandalized by a lot of things that were going on in the church. But I I eventually got to the point that I had to start asking the question, okay, well, well, maybe this isn't the church established by Christ because of all the things that I see going on. And maybe the Orthodox were right all along. So let me look into their content. And eventually I I, uh, went uh, to the Greek Orthodox. But I returned to communion after several years based upon objective truth claims, based upon the question, which church did Christ establish? And there were very objective answers to that that I discovered that um, weighed in favor of the Catholic Church. So I was, uh, of course, reconciled to the Catholic Church. Now, there's a lot of angles that we could come at this with, but if you want, I can maybe dive into what some of those objective truth claims are and some of the reasons why I came back and why I think that others shouldn't go the Orthodox route. Before we do the truth claims, which I think we ought to do. Uh, I'd like to maybe talk about, uh, is it possible for a Roman Rite Catholic to go east? Is it legitimate to do so? I mean, these churches are not in communion. We we would say that they are, we, we recognize their sacraments, obviously their apostolic succession, uh, but they aren't in communion with Rome. So is it possible for a, uh, you know, someone... Uh, like as you use yourself as an example, somebody who was not raised in that tradition, somebody who is obviously raised in the Roman tradition, going east is that even legitimate? Is it possible? Are they in schism? Are they in mortal sin if they do that? What is the state of their salvation if Oof. someone goes down that road? Yeah, a lot, lot to handle there. Are they are the Eastern Orthodox in schism? Objectively, yes. Personally, individuals there might not be culpable of that schism, but just objectively speaking, their their communion would be. And and should somebody, objectively speaking, go from Catholicism to uh, Eastern Orthodoxy as far as leave the Catholic Church formally and be formally admitted into the one of the uh, Eastern Orthodox churches. No, I mean, if you read the Second Vatican Council and Lumen, its document Lumen Gentium, it's careful to note. You can't be saved 
if you refuse to enter the Catholic Church or remain in it, if you know it's established by Christ. So if you know that this is the church established by Christ, can you leave it? No, uh, you cannot. That will impact your relationship with Christ. That will impact your uh, salvation. Now, I understand that there are things that might mitigate culpability, and some people's knowledge of what the Catholic Church is might be imperfect. But I'm, I'm just saying objectively, should we go from Catholicism to Eastern Orthodoxy? No, because there is an objective element of schism there. Uh, we're going from a communion that is the fullness of the truth, and it is actually the communion that Christ established, to something that is missing some key elements of what Christ established. So there is something that is lacking there. So I would say, objectively, one should not do so. But I also want to be careful to say that just because the Eastern Orthodox are objectively in schism doesn't mean every individual who's Eastern Orthodox is somehow in mortal sin. Mm. That, that's not the case either. So we can't say that, can we, can we or can we not say that the, uh, to use the Greeks is just as an example, because um, when it comes to the East, there's a lot of, there's a lot of flavors there. There's a lot of splitters. Mm. Uh, but c- can we use the Greeks as an example to say the Greek church is or is not in, um, is a part of the official air quotes church of Christ? Um, the way we can look at it is this. We can say that the Eastern Orthodox churches are true local churches. And what we mean by a local church is they have valid sacraments. They have valid bishops. Um, on a local level, we can speak of them as genuine or true churches. And in, and in a loose sense, they are participating in the one church of Christ on that level. Mm-hmm. The problem is, are they part of the universal church outside of the local church, which is uh, the, the group of local churches that are in communion with Pope? Uh, the answer would be, of course, no. And that's an essential element. That is part of the way Christ set up his structure. He didn't just set up a bunch of local valid churches. He set up local churches that are in communion with one another, through the successor of St. Peter, which, of course, the Pope is. And they're lacking that element. So what we can say is this. They participate in the one church to an extent, but they are missing an essential ingredient of that participation. And that participation is something willed by Christ that we would have. Hmm. So when we leave that, there's a very true sense in which we're leaving something that Christ doesn't want us to leave, and he is wanting us to be a part of. So uh, we have about uh, 40 seconds to break. Um, did, when you left, did you have to, did you write a letter to the Catholic bishop to say, hey, I'm leaving? I did not. No, I only had to make a profession of faith in the seven ecumenical councils. I didn't even have to renounce uh, the Catholic Church. But some Orthodox churches are different and will require a formal renunciation. All right, hold that thought. Michael Lofton is our guest, Reason and Theology Podcast. Uh, you should check it out on YouTube and other platforms. But we're going to go to a break. We're going to come right back. We're going to continue this conversation on uh, those leaving the church to go east and maybe bring up another topic. We're coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the expression free love? Do you know what it means? It means false love. True love does not want to be free. It wants to bind itself. It wants to give everything and forever. It wants to make a vow, a promise that it will keep. 
G.K. Chesterton says the man who makes a vow makes an appointment with himself at some distant time or place. The question is, will he keep the vow? That's the adventure. The perils and the punishment must be real. If I bet, I must be made to pay, or there's no poetry in betting. If I challenge, I must be made to fight, or there's no poetry in challenging. And if I vow to be faithful, I must be cursed when I'm unfaithful. Or there's no fun in vowing. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you. Praise be to God. Michael Lofton is our guest, Reason and Theology Podcast. Uh, you should check that out. Uh, very good stuff there. A lot of great conversation, debates, and, and uh, deep dives, and a lot of stuff. Uh, Michael, welcome back to the program. I, I wanted to ask a follow-up question. We're talking about uh, sure. the trend of, of Catholics who are leaving uh, the Roman rite, let's just say, I want to use simple language to make it clear. I know, yeah. uh, you theologians, good grief. You, you can write the, all the books behind you on uh, being nuanced and, and precise. But uh, just to keep things clear, Roman rite Catholics leaving to go east in order to avoid difficulties, schisms, and the rest. In, in, before the break, we we're talking about why someone shouldn't do that uh, because of uh, the lack of fundamental character of that communion. Um, but can, is it possible for Catholics like... To just go to Mass at an Eastern Orthodox mm. Church, uh, like I'm talking about a Greek church that's not fully in communion with Rome, is it possible for us to go to Mass there? Can we receive the sacraments there, like say communion, for instance? Not that they would give it to us, but theoretically. Well, there, there's a couple things to consider. Could a Catholic go to Mass there? Yes, they could. Um, now, if you're asking the question, could they replace their Sunday obligation at a Catholic church and replace it with an Orthodox church only if they are physically unable to go to an Orthodox church or they're morally incapable of receiving from a Catholic uh, minister? In other words, in, in, in limited cases, could you replace your Sunday obligation with an Orthodox church? But let's say you, you went ahead and went to Mass on Sunday at a Catholic church, and then afterwards you, you want to go and check out the Orthodox. You could do that without any sin. Uh, objectively speaking, you would always want to check your motivations for doing so, but one could. Um, and could you receive the sacraments? Again, if it's physically or morally impossible to receive them from a Catholic minister, according to canon law, you could receive it from an Eastern Orthodox minister. However, they might not be willing to give it to you. <laughs> yeah. So that that's the key there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're they're you, not as they're not as open ecumenically. <laughs> some are, some are. So it just it just kind of depends on who we're talking about here, individually considered. So uh, you know, I think it's important. Let's. I think we should jump into some of the more uh, 
one of the some of the arguments that the Eastern Orthodox give for why they should come. But real quickly, the vast majority of people that I know that leave to Eastern Orthodoxy do not go because of uh, arguments and things like that. They go because they have been going to mass and they see abuses of the liturgy. They see bad theology being taught and uh, at given sermons being given. They're scandalized by uh, the Holy Father or by bishops. And so they say, uh, they think the grass is greener on the other side. Could you address that? Yeah, they'll they'll probably be surprised whenever they go to some Orthodox liturgies and hear universalism being preached, which is the idea that, you know, everybody's going to ultimately be saved in some, not all, but in some Orthodox churches, you'll hear that. And they might be surprised to hear that there's a focus sometimes uh, on the environment more than there is the salvation of souls, not in all Orthodox churches, but in some. So in other words, some of the problems that a Catholic might experience when it comes to the preaching in the Catholic church, they might experience when they go to the uh, Orthodox. So they might be surprised there. Um, but yeah, some, some people are, you know, in the position that they go from or- Catholicism to Orthodoxy, not because of objective truth claims, but because of some bad experience they had um, with the Catholic Church, and they think the grass is greener on the other side. Not only is that not necessarily the case, but more importantly, the question is not, should you go to this church because you've had a good experience there? But the question is, where does Christ want you to be? Mm. Does he want you to be in communion with the Catholics or the Eastern Orthodox? That's the question. And then, of course, that brings you back to objective truth claims. So we have to then look into doctrinal considerations rather than just, well, practically, I had a bad experience with the Catholics, so I'm going to go Eastern Orthodox. Uh, we could dive into that conversation um, a lot further. However, I, if it's okay, I'd like to pivot a little bit and change topics, yeah. uh, just yeah. because I'm looking at the clock and I want to make sure we, hit, we get sure. another topic. And I want to talk about Archbishop of Washington, D.C., Wilton Gregory, and his comments on Joe Biden. Uh, we've had a lot of conversation over the past, uh, I would say the last year, but many years, about pro-abortion Catholic politicians publicly uh, defying church teaching and the bishops and their responses. And it's become more of an issue this past year. Um, and recently, according to National Catholic Register, Cardinal uh, Wilton Gregory what made a, he made a statement in, in response to press a briefing about Joe Biden. And uh, he talked about how Joe Biden wasn't demonstrating Catholic teaching on the origins of life. And I guess one of my questions is, and the, the topic came up, and I'm paraphrasing here, he's, it's about um, theologians debating the origin of life. And the, th- the only thought that came to my head was, if the church teaches abortion is intrinsically evil, I don't really care what theologians have to say about the matter at this point. When and where are these bishops going to begin to just say enough is enough? What, what would be your thoughts on this topic, Michael Lofton? Yeah, I think that the bishops definitely need to step it up and back up the uh, teachings of the church here. I think that also applies for the Orthodox, because I think a lot of people will be surprised to find out that the Greek Orthodox um, Archbishop of the United States supports the democratic platform and supports a lot of these liberal agendas. I mean, without having to go into details, there's some very disturbing stuff there. And it's not just him. Now, at the same time, there are some conservative Orthodox bishops as well that would reject those things. Likewise, there are some conservative Catholics who would reject those things and stand up for the truth. But the problem of bishops not standing up for the truth and waffling under pressure is an issue that you find in all communions. And I think that we as Catholics, we really need to step it up there. Well, I guess 
is this a, like a get out of jail free card to say that there are theologians that debate the origins of life? I mean, again, to me, uh, I'm not a theologian, but I don't see why this is an argument at all. I mean, I does the church teach this yes or no and if yes then what's the conclusion what's the what are the ramifications right. of that uh is it possible for them to really sit here and say well we agree to disagree no it, it's not possible of course the the teaching authority of the church and what it teaches that's what we're to give assent to not necessarily what a group of theologians might think so if something is established by the church and in this case it it has been established by the church um, and you can see that, especially under the pontificate of John Paul II, who notes that and confirms this. Um, if it has already been established by the church, it really doesn't matter if you have a group of theologians saying otherwise, I would say that they're in dissent. And we need to give our assent to what the church teaches, which in this case is in favor of the origin of life. So Archbishop Corleone out of San Francisco, he, there's an article uh, about him on Catholic News Agency and uh, apparently he is considering excommunication. I don't how okay. Part of me laughs here cuz I'm like what more do you need? <laughs> like what how much evidence must you have before you finally decide enough is enough? Uh I mean they 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 continue to persist when I mean we've the the the, the usual suspects, right? Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, we can go on and on and on. They are ardent in their rejection of church teaching on these topics, uh, and the best we can get is uh, we're considering excommunication. What goes into making declarations of excommunications? Uh, how big of an issue really is this? Is, is there something here as lay folk that I'm just not aware of? Well, what, what goes into it, of course, are prudential considerations, which I don't think should be an issue at this point, given the fact that there's grave scandal if we don't say that these people are excommunicated. But I do want to note there, there are some things such as heresy. There are some things that you could do um, to excommunicate yourself without a bishop declaring it. So if you profess some kind of heresy, you obstinately maintain something against the Catholic Church that is dogmatic, you've already excommunicated yourself. You receive an automatic excommunication. Now, it's helpful for the bishop to come and announce that and to make that known for everybody in the case of a public figure. Otherwise, there there could be an element of scandal. So whatever considerations there are, and they're mostly prudential ones, I think that those have already passed, and we need to go ahead and make a pronouncement on certain individuals to avoid further scandal. But don't you think they have a they have an obligation to do so? These bishops. I mean, is it? I mean, it's to me, it would seem it's more than just uh, well, they could do this. It seems like they mm -hmm. they have a they have an obligation to do this. You have, I, I agree. They have an obligation because it's going to be scandalous otherwise. It's going to give the impression that we are okay with what these politicians are affirming unless we do this. So, yes, there's definitely an obligation there. I agree with you. Um, now, also, there's the public element, right? I mean, public yeah. uh, ardent sinners. Uh, shouldn't there be a, a public uh, response? And even do, is the public entitled, I hate to use that language, is the public entitled, are we lay folks entitled to know if and when a an ardent sinner repents? I think so. If the sinner is doing something that is publicly uh, sinful, then we ought to know that they have been publicly reprimanded. Um, now, if these are just private acts, I could see somebody keeping them in the private realm. But when it comes to politicians and their acts, those are very public. And so I think that the uh, response should be public as well. Let's wrap up going back east again. We only have about a minute or so here. Um, 
what about in the East? Uh, do the Greeks suffer from the same uh, same issues of of uh, courage that on the, uh, on the part of their bishops? They're experiencing a lot of the same problems that Catholics do, not to the uh, the same extent, just because Catholics are a lot larger and have been dealing with problems in the West a lot longer than the uh, Orthodox have. But they're dealing with a lot of the same issues, yes. I mean, it would seem like, for instance, the Russians, they're pretty tied into the state, mm-hmm. are they not? They they definitely are, yes. So know, there, how- there's some problems there, although they tend to be a little bit more conservative than the rest of how how likely are they to criticize Vladimir Putin, for example? Not likely, huh? I imagine. <laughs> but probably not very likely. But at the same time, I could see them being more likely to do so, given the fact that they tend to be the more conservative group among the Orthodox. Yeah, I'm, and I, I can imagine the patriarch in constant, or I guess it's Istanbul these days, uh, probably doesn't speak out a lot about uh, what goes on in the Islam. I haven't world. seen it. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Michael Lofton, Reason and Theology Podcast. Thank you for your time today. Uh, God bless you. you and God love you and have a great day. You too. Thank you. All right, that is going to do it for the first hour of our show today. Praise be to God. If you can join us in the next hour, to this week, today is the only day we have a normal second hour. So if you can join us today, today's the day to do it. You can watch live. You can even listen live, but uh, you can hang out with us live on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Starting tomorrow, our second hour gets pushed back because the Guadalupe Radio Network is raising funds. It's that time of year. So just, just a good, friendly reminder, support your local Catholic radio station. They are brought to you by you. They keep the doors open, the lights on because of your generosity. Amen. Praise be to God. All right, we'll see you in the next hour if possible. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Bible says to call no man father. So why do we call our priests father? In Matthew 23, verse 9, it says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Notice that this verse makes no distinction between spiritual fathers, which is what priests are, and biological fathers. This passage says that no man is to be called father. Therefore, you cannot distinguish between calling a priest father and calling the man who is married to your mother father. But is that actually what this passage is saying? Or is Jesus warning us against trying to usurp the fatherhood of God, which is what the Pharisees and scribes were doing? They wanted all attention focused on them. They were leaving God, the Father, out of the equation. And even if you just interpret this passage from Matthew 23 as an absolute ban against calling anyone your spiritual father, then there are some problems for you in the rest of Scripture. For example, Jesus in the story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16 has the rich man referring to Abraham as father several times. Paul in Romans 4 refers to Abraham as the father of the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. Spiritual fatherhood, not biological fatherhood. In Acts 7 and then in Acts 22, first Stephen and then Paul refer to the Jewish priests and elders as brothers and fathers. Spiritual fatherhood. So if you interpret Matthew 23 as saying we cannot call anyone our spiritual father, then you have to believe that Jesus, Paul, and Stephen all got it wrong. It is okay to call priests our spiritual fathers today, 
We are simply imitating the example given us by Jesus, Paul, and Stephen, all of whom who used the term in a spiritual sense. As long as we remember that our true Father is God the Father and that all aspects of our fatherhood, biological and spiritual, are derived from Him. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Good morning. You have survived the weekend. Congratulations, you are able to get back at it. God is so good. Just imagine what you might accomplish this week. All for the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? What an opportunity. A good news or bad news, uh, more inflation is on the way, uh, according to a the CEO of a major grocery chain. So that's coming. Uh, the House Democrats eye 26.5% corporate tax rate. That's always terrible news. Uh, There's a lot of terrible news in the news these days. But uh, the good news for you this hour is we only share the good news in the uh, the news segments with Janice. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. It's all upbeat in the second hour. Um, I, I, I try, but yeah. <laughs> I can't to do guarantee. Sometimes, isn't it? Hard to do. <laughs> I can't guarantee. <laughs> now, uh, the, the, here's the thing, though. Good news, bad news. So, um. In the second hour, it's positive, right? We always have fun. Game shows coming up. That's always a good time. But the downside is this week, uh, it's not really downside, but the downside is we're only going to play the game today. Today is the only day we are going to play Fear and Trembling all week long. And whoever is on the phone with us today is probably going to get the prize pack. And it's a CDT sponsorship this week. So Do you we probably you mean definitely. Do I mean definitely? Hmm. Unless they well, get all the answers wrong. As the theologians would debate, <laughs> I'm sure definitely is probably a stretch. But 100% yes, whoever's on the phone gets surprised. How about that? Oh, is that Was that clear? Was I, that, I think I understand. As clear as mud? <laughs> I think I got it. Unless, I'm not assertive, unless they get none it. of the answers right. And then even then I may just, just send them a prize anyways. <laughs> this, is like, this is likely the thing Joe would do. <laughs> now me, a meanie. Would uh, just Amini. Uh, Amini. That's a technical term, by the way. It's a the- theological term. It is. Uh-huh. It is. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a very technical term. Yeah. Uh, me as a meanie would be mm-hmm. like, sorry, sorry, no, get, no prize, sorry, and yeah. I would make it as hard as possible to win. Possible. But this would. is why Joe. Would. This is why Joe does it. <laughs> I am. I am mercy. He is wrath. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Justice. <laughs> justice. justice. My bad. My bad. <laughs> this is a good one. All right. Well, praise be to God. By the way, I'm just reminded myself, uh, we never answered the the age old debate of what are the ones and twos. Uh, we intended to do so last week, but failed to do so. Whoops. 
Awkward. Awkward, yeah. And you know what's even more awkward? Yikes. The uh, after show will run short because we have the intersections with Bree Dale uh-huh. afterwards. Uh, so, hmm, I ones t- and twos. I still don't know where, what one and twos are. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adrian claims it's because of uh, Bree Dale's program at 8 o'clock Central, 9 Eastern. I, however, know it's because uh, Adrian is a meanie. Um, theological term there. Theological term. Technical term. Technical terms. Uh, I, maybe we'll get a chance to answer the ones and twos in the after show today. But today is the only day all week long that Catholic Drive Time remains uh, normal in the second hour. So what will happen is starting tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central, we launch our uh, our Sherathon, our fall Sherathon. And we are brought to you by you. You, my dear listener, are the wind in the sails. You and the Holy Ghost make it possible for Catholic Radio to keep the doors open, the lights on, and Catholic Radio waves flowing in your neck of the woods. You know, Maryland and Virginia, Alabama and Florida, Texas, New Mexico, and even in Kansas. Praise be to God, you make it possible. So be generous and tell them Catholic Drive Time sent you. We would love to hear a lot of shout-outs to Catholic Drive Time starting tomorrow at 7 a.m. Our team is going to be on 9 o'clock Central, 10 Eastern, Tuesday through Friday. So our second hour, starting tomorrow, going to Friday, is 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern. Join us for that hour. We would be uh, grateful to have you on board and uh, and generously donating to the Guadalupe Radio Network. It would be amazing to us. You'd be supporting our, our efforts, so praise be to God for that. So we're going to jump into the news, good news stories. We're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then we play Fear and Trembling for the only time all week long, and whoever gets whoever's on the phone gets to be the contestant and likely is going to get a prize pack uh, thanks to Catholic Drive Time. So you can find the phone number on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, or you can wait for me to give it to you. But let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the good news with Janice Valenzuela. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice, and here are your headline news for today. From Catholic News Agency, Pope Francis on Saturday greeted the G20 Interfaith Forum being held in Bologna, Italy from September 12th through the 14th, telling participants that true religion consists in adoring God and loving one's neighbor. From Epic Times, the New South Wales Treasury is planning to put significant investment into touring services for students who have fallen behind during the COVID-19 lockdowns. From Epic Times, the United States and Mexico on Thursday agreed to work on making shared supply chains, especially for for semiconductors, more competitive and invest in social programs to tackle migration, said top Mexican officials after high-level economic talks in Washington. From Epic Times, The United Airlines employees who are granted medical or religious exemptions have been informed that they will automatically be placed in unpaid leave, a policy that one experts described as the hardest, harshest in America. 
from Alatia, an elderly couple who has retired from fostering after welcoming over 600 children into their home over the last 56 years. Pauline and Roger Bitter, both in their 80s, actually started fostering children when they had been married for. Uh, three months. This was due to a vow Mrs. Fitter made when she was working as a nurse in a residential nursery caring for young children waiting to be adopted. From Catholic News Agency, speakers from the, around the world have gathered at the International Eucharistic Congress in Hungary from September 5th through the 12th in 2021, sharing their testimonies of Eucharistic faith. One of those speakers is Barbara Hell, a former Protestant missionary who currently resides in Iowa. Barbara gave her powerful testimony of conversion, first to Protestant Christianity and then to Roman Catholicism. From Alatia, religious sister, a religious sister will volunteer as a lawyer in Roman courts to serve the poor. Sister Francesca wanted to be a lawyer and had a religious vocation. But then she realized she could do both. From Alatia, five biological sisters who became nuns in a period of just two years have drawn, drawn attention to Spain, their home country. The family includes a total of seven adult children, six sisters, and one brother. All five sisters joined the same Spanish contemplative religious community. Jesu Ecomunio, founded in 2010 in Burgos in the north of the country. From Blaze News, while President Joe Biden is urgently using legal questionable status to enforce what is essentially a vaccine mandate on the American workforce, members of Congress, their staff, and anyone who works in Congress will be reportedly exempted from the mandate. One, one of the nation's biggest supermarket chain has warned last week that the prices at a grocery store are going to continue to rise in the near future because of high inflation. And lastly, from Blaze News, former CIA director warns botched Afghanistan withdrawal could pave way for al-Qaeda attacks on U.S. soil. Leon Panata, who served as the CIA director and defense secretary in the Obama administration, warned Sunday that Al-Qaeda al could launch future attacks on America's soil because of the Taliban again controlled Afghanistan. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Monday. The saint of the day is St. John Chrysostom. He was born in 347 at Antioch in Asia Minor. And John's father died when he was young and he was raised by a very pious mother. He was well-educated and studied rhetoric under Libyanus and was one of the first and the most famous orators of his day. He was a monk, a preacher, and a priest for over a dozen years in Syria. While there, he developed a stomach ailment that troubled him for the rest of his life. It was for his sermons that John earned the title of Chrysostom, which means golden-mouthed. They were always on point, his sermons that is. They explained the scriptures with clarity and they sometimes went on for hours. And I thought my priest's homilies were long. <laughs> He made a reluctant bishop of Constantinople in 398, a move that involved him in imperial politics. 
He criticized the rich for not sharing their wealth, fought to reform the clergy, and prevented the sale of ecclesiastical offices. He called for fidelity in marriage, encouraged the practices of justice and charity. He became the archbishop and patriarch of Constantinople. He revised the Greek liturgy, which is why it's called the Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. And because John's sermons advocated a change in their lives, some nobles and bishops worked to remove him from his diocese. He was twice exiled from his diocese. He was banished to Pythus, and he died on the road. He was a Greek father of the church and was proclaimed a doctor of the church in 451. He died in 407 of alleged natural causes, and he was, uh, and uh, we'll leave it there. St. John Chrysostom, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it had not much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root in it, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil, and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear the gospel of the Lord. The Venerable Bede said, He calls stone the hardness of a wanton mind. He calls ground the inconsistency of a soul in its obedience, and sun the heat of a raging persecution. Therefore, the depth of earth which ought to have received the seed of God is the honesty of a mind trained in heavenly discipline and regularly brought up in obedience to the divine words. But the stony places which have no strength for fixing the root firmly and those breasts which are delighted only with the sweetness of the word which they hear and for a time with the heavenly promises, but in a season of temptation fall away. For there is too little of healthful desire in them to conceive the seed of life. Well, that's pretty deep. Adrian, did you find anything? You got about a minute, but did you find anything interesting? Uh, yes, but the, let's see, real quick, I suppose, uh, the, this passage goes on to say, those present among the 12 questioned him about the parables. Jesus answered them, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand any of the parables? And I think this is a perfect passage directed to us, you and I. And so this is what happens when we pick up the scriptures and try to read them by ourselves. And I was having this discussion with the Protestant guy on Saturday. He was like, well, the Holy Spirit inspired me to understand. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, then why does everybody disagree about what these passages say? Right. And, uh, and this is a perfect example. Our Lord tells us, do you not understand this parable? Well, then how do you understand any of it? And how does he understand any of it? Well, our Lord has given us a magisterium. Our Lord has given us the church who interprets the scriptures for us. So that way we may know the truth. Amen. 
Amen to that. Praise be to God. All right, we can leave it there. I don't know. We might take up even more. The Chrysostom had so much to say, and it's his feast day. So maybe in the after show, if uh, Adrian the Meanie allows, uh, allows it so, maybe we can quote a few more. I don't know. Or we can talk about the ones and twos. But that's coming up. What's coming up next is the game show. And today's the only day we're going to play the game. So whoever is on the phone is likely to get the prize, and it's a CDT-sponsored prize. So that phone number is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, We'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired and fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. And today's the only day we're going to play it, so do me a favor. Don't tell anybody what I'm about to tell you, but we like to do a few things in the game show segment. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions, and you just may learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. Feel free to show that off with your friends and your family later. Just pretend like you knew it the whole time, right? And then and we like to have fun, and our contestants tend to be a very good time. They laugh with us, and they're great sports, and we really enjoy that part. And we give out prizes. And uh, today, the prize is going to be a CDT-sponsored prize. Uh, But here's the kicker. The caller does not need to know the answers to still win the game. 
They could win and not know a single correct answer. And the reason why is because I don't ask them the questions. I will ask Janice and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more? And then every right answer typically would go into the coffee cup of divine providence. Uh, but this is a special week because it's Sherathon week starting tomorrow at 7 a.m. Uh, we're going to play the game. And um, if he, if the caller just gets one single question correct, then they are going to win the prize no matter what. So that's how it wins. But uh, normally I would say, hey, Janice, what are they going to win? But you have no idea, do you, Janice? I have no idea. No. You have to tell us what the prize is for this week since you're the one coming I up. I am going to send Adrian, the producer, to mow their lawn. That's, I think that's I think that's the prize. What if they don't because, have a lawn? Yeah. If oh. you, then clean their house, do their um, dishes. Yes. That's a good one. I will, uh, <laughs> I will do that as soon as, uh, as, soon as Joe uh, goes with me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'll drive you there. No problem. It'll be fun to watch. <laughs> I'll live stream the whole thing. No, I'm teasing. Of course, we can't do that. Good grief. Uh, we, <laughs> Richard Rayner did that. We, he did do that. I can send Richard then. Uh, uh, we'll autograph a CDT mug, and the team will autograph it. We'll send you a little prize pack, courtesy of Kathy Drive Time. Probably include a book or something like that. Uh, so we'll send that to you, but you got to win the game. So let's go to the phones and uh, see who we got here. And by the way, if you try calling today and you don't get in, Monday, a week from today, we go back to our normal schedule. There'll be a lot more opportunities and a new sponsor next week. But Antonio, good morning to you. Thanks for calling in our program. Uh, good morning to you, everybody. Praise be to God. Morning, Jesus too. Antonio, have you called in before? Uh, that was two months ago, three months ago, something like that. Wow, it's been, been a long time. It was, it was, but I've been listening. Praise be to God. Uh, your, your, yeah, your group is very uh, 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 encouraging, to be honest with you, in the morning where we uh, pray uh, to our Mother Mary in the morning, and it's very, very, very helpful going to work. Amen. Well, we're glad you're tuning in. Thank you for that. You're from the Pearland area of Houston, Texas. Remind us, where do you go to church? Uh, St. Helen, and then sometimes I go to Co-Cathedral uh, Sacred Heart. Wonderful. Well, praise be to St. God. Helen, where I went to middle school. Oh, really? Yep. Huh, Interesting. Uh, all right, Antonio, you're a veteran. You're a you're a longtime listener. You know how this works. But uh, Janice is new to you. Uh, who do you th- uh, who do you think I she's know. tricky enough, or do you think Adrian is still reign supreme <laughs> in the tricky department? Uh, well, well, let's just say that uh, Adrian has a contender right now. <laughs> ah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Wow, the truth Com- comes out. Stiff competition for tricky. <laughs> interesting, yes. interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, are you ready to play, Antonio? Yes, sir. We will go to Janice first, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm ready. Um, are you sure? Um, yes. <laughs> Janice, can you tell me, what famous Catholic educator invented the raised point printing method of communication? Mm. This is a tricky question. That is tricky. I would say that would be Saint mm-hmm. Maria mm. Alteca Montessori. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Saint Maria Alteca Montessori. You said. Is that the person who founded the Montessori schools? <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Actually, I think it's mm-hmm. not Saint. Mm-hmm. It's Doctor. <laughs> really? It's, it's yes. Interesting. So I'm, you're canonizing mm-hmm. people. Ahead of time. Kind of like how I canonized Cornelius uh-huh. Lapide. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, well, that's a different argument. Uh, let's not open that can of worms just yet. Uh, let's just ask Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me what famous Catholic educator invented the raised point printing method of communication? Uh, what if that have been uh, Louis Braille? A Louis mm. Braille? I'm pretty sure. I uh, is that is he French? Uh, maybe I don't know. Hmm. Could Isn't be French. Braille like sign language or like reading? Mm, no, exact opposite. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, all right, Antonio, but I, I don't know if you're as confused as I am, but let me see if I can summarize things for you. Uh, Adrian seems to think that the raised point printing method was created by Louis Braille, whereas Janice seems to think that the raised point printing method was created by Montessori. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you, Antonio? I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to go with Janice. Are you, are you sure? Adrian, you were a little quick on the trigger there. Uh, are you sending any subtle messages? I'm just curious. I just I just found it amazing that, that Janice said that that Braille was like sign language. Whenever if you're blind, you can't. You can't see sign language. You can't usually. see sign language. But, uh, now, in fact, see how tricky they are, Antonio. They, they're always throwing curveballs. Uh, in fact, it is Louis Braille is the correct answer. But don't worry. Two more questions. I'm sure we can get this prize won for you today. Okay, I'm okay. feeling very confident in this. Well, let's go to question number two. Um, we'll go to Adrian this time. Adrian the meanie. Adrian, can you tell me? How many popes led the church from exile in Avignon, France, from 1309 to 1377? How many popes were in Avignon during that time? Hmm, that would have been like, what, 58 years? I'm going to say there were seven. Seven. Nice, nice number. I like that number. It's a good number. It's a good number. It's a great number. It's my eighth favorite number. Your eighth favorite number. Yeah. Of all the numbers, it's number eight. I have a top 15 list. And it's number eight. Number seven. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd question that for sure. All right, Janice, can you tell me? How many popes led the church from exile in Avignon, France from 1309 to 1377? That would be six. Are you just going to go one less than him, or do you have a reason? I mean, like, what are we talking about here? So, what's your favorite number? Seven? My, See how confusing they are, Antonio? See what I got to put up My favorite with? number is six. I was born on November really? six. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. But, he, but that's not the reason I'm saying six. I'm saying that because I, I took a lot of history courses. Uh-huh. I, I'm very versed in church history, uh-huh. so I know mm-hmm. that was okay. six years. <laughs> okay, Antonio. Uh, be, oh. be careful here, my friend. This is tricky ground. But Janice says it was six popes in Avignon, whereas Adrian says it was seven popes in Avignon. Uh, seven being the number of covenant and per- perfection. Uh, Antonio, who is right? Who is wrong? What say you? Uh, we'll go with the champion, Adrian. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, a- Antonio, to add the extra layer of sucking up was very creative. Uh, yeah. well, I was, well br- was going to give him the right answer no matter what at that point. Well done. <laughs> well done. All right. So you are the winner today. You don't even have to answer this Thank next you. question. and You still win. But how about we do it just for fun? What do you say, Antonio? 
No uh, problem. Oh, let's go. Let's go back to Janice. Janice, can you tell me where is temporal punishment mm. due to sin remitted? Mm. Where does that happen? That would be purgatory. Purgatory is where you uh, cleanse yourself mm-hmm. and prepare mm-hmm. yourself for heaven. So mm-hmm. it's the temporal punishment of your sin. We still believe in purgatory? Uh, did yes. we get rid of that? Uh, okay, so no. purgatory is still a thing? Yeah, purgatory okay. is still okay. real. Yeah, we pray for the holy souls we in do? purgatory. Huh. Okay. Adrian, mm-hmm. can you tell me where is temporal punishment due to sin remitted? Yeah, that would be hell. <laughs> is it remitted in hell? Yep. Huh. I'm pretty sure I read that in Von Balthazar. Can I get Michael Lofton back on for a second? I'm pretty sure I read that in in Von Balthazar. (laughs) Von Balthazar. Wow. Pretty Uh, sure. I think so. Or was it Spire? I Uh, forget. I forget. It was somewhere. I read it somewhere. Okay. Uh, Antonio, uh, all kidding aside, Adrian seems to think it's hell. Uh, Whereas Jeannie says it's purgatory. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Antonio, what say you? Uh, We will go with the number one contender, Jeannie. (laughs) <laughs> Boy, <laughs> equal opportunity sucking up. This is great, Number one Antonio. contender. Well, she is a contender. Uh, she's the he, only he, contender. He I meant think. <laughs> he meant champion. Yeah, he yeah. meant the original, the the, the, original. the original champion. Antonio, you did well, sir. Even with all the Thank kidding you. and the tricking aside. <laughs> You did it. Praise be to God. Two out of three ain't bad. I'm actually really proud of myself for tricking him for that. <laughs> Even when I said saint. All right. <laughs> it wasn't a saint at all, actually. Antonio, <laughs> thank you for playing our game and being so much fun. We really love that. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. God we're going to put everybody. you on hold because we're going to get your uh, information so that we can we can send you the Catholic Drive Time price pack. I'll put it in the mail hopefully today. Uh, but thank you again for playing with us. And that, as I said, folks, means that's the only day. Today is the only day we're going to play the game. We'll be back on our regular schedule on Monday, a week from today. But starting tomorrow, 7 a.m., we're going to have our fall share It's so vitally important to us that you pledge your support for Catholic Radio. Please do support your radio station by making that pledge. And don't forget, let them know Catholic Drive Time sent you. We would love to hear our... Our show being shouted out quite a bit. It would make us really happy. We're going to go to the after show for those who are hanging out with us. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome back to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a lot more casual, and today we get a lot more brief. Uh, It's always short on Mondays because we have... Bree Dale's program coming up at the top of the hour, and Adrian is producing that program, so he has to get his his Bree Dale hat on. Got my my big meanie hat on. His kid is big. We should get you a hat that does say "Big Meanie." That would be fantastic. That should be a T-shirt. <laughs> be weird. The Big Meanie. I love it. Uh, praise be to God. Uh, good morning, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hopefully, your your weekend was very good. Uh, let us know what you did if you did anything fun on the weekend. Justina, good morning to you. Thank you. To, thank you for hanging out with us. Christopher Velasquez, good morning, praise be to God. Mary Barone from New York, good morning to you. Raymond Long, good morning to you. 
uh, Eric Rodriguez and David. Good morning to you. Who's on Facebook? All sorts. Uh, you know, we have our a lot of our usuals on Facebook. Uh, Buddy was on bright and early. Uh, S. Giselle is on. Uh, Patty was on earlier when she uh, took off during her. Um, well, she didn't say goodbye today, but normally she does. So I'm assuming she's off. Uh, Samantha is uh, is on with us. We have Chris. Praise be to God, Chris. Welcome back. Uh, sometimes he joins us, sometimes he doesn't, but it's good to have you. Uh, let's see, Lori, uh, Jesus Robles, my good friend, uh, one of my favorite people on the planet because he gives awesome gifts. Uh, Joaquin is on with us, and I think that's everybody. I think uh, is Josh on here? I can't. I, I haven't him. seen him yet. Uh, Mike from uh, our friend that was on uh, that shared his nine eleven story was on with us. He's from uh, Virginia, Maryland area. Praise be to God. He's all hanging out over on Odyssey, odyssey.com, new streaming platform. By the way, we've linked to all of those. If you go to our website, grnonline.com, you can see the live video feed embedded to our website. But just underneath that, I put the links to the other platforms we do live feed to. So that way, if you need an alternative, you can always go to our website and find either watch live on our website, although sometimes buffering is an issue there. Um, and then the links of the other streams are there as well. So I'm you kind of liking it. Odyssey. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, praise be to God for that. Let's see. Um, what do you guys want to talk about? We have a very limited amount of time to talk about anything. So uh, you guys tell me, do you want me to tell you what the ones and twos are? How many people do not know what the ones and twos are? Raise your hand. Uh, good morning to you, Colin. Good to hang out with you. Now, David uh, has called me out. Uh, David L. called me out about the gospel reading today. <gasps> He's like, there's no way this is the proper gospel reading today. I thought um, so too. That's a paraphrase. It's, a, loose, it's a dynamic interpretation of David L.'s com- a comment. He said, I quote, uh, Joe, you are a heretic. You are reading the wrong gospel. I am pretty sure you're reading from the Proto-Evangelium of James. That's a direct quote from what he from Is David that L. the NAB version of that? I'm just curious. Uh, mm, dynamic know, equivalency? You no, know, NA, the NAB is mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. kind of nabs the, the real <laughs> translation. <laughs> I liked uh, I, I, I used, I exercised my options, David. Um, option B of the propers for the saint of the day, St. Chrysostom's feast day mm. today. I, I used option B so you cheated. because it was the most de- deep, diving, hardcore, and or it was the shortest of all three options. Um, so there you go. Uh, let's see. What else? Praise be to God. Uh, Christopher Velasquez says, can we, or forgive me, not Christopher Velasquez. Christopher Chance says, can we put St. Jerome on the meanie hat? That's a good call right there. Uh, the old curmudgeon himself, St. Jerome. Uh, Jesus Robles, you, sir, are a winner. Praise be to God. Jesus Robles knows what ones and twos are. Yes, they are, of course, they are, of course, uh, it's a DJ term. It refers to the turntables. Because back in our day, they used to play vinyl records. The DJs would play vinyl records, and they'd have uh, uh, two turntables, and they'd have a crossfader. And then they would uh, play one, and then they would crossfade it into the next by matching the beats. And sometimes they'd do a little bit of scratch and mix there. And uh, so the ones and twos is a reference to DJs. Um, I actually, you know, back in my day, 
when I was in the Marine Corps, I used to, unfortunately, I wasted a lot of my life going to nightclubs and, uh, and practicing immoral behavior. Uh, but I did befriend, when I was stationed in Hawaii, I befriended the, 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 the DJ at the club that I was uh, at all the time. And, uh, and I'd hang out with him quite a bit. He, would, he tried to teach me to do, the, to do the scratching and mixing and all of that. And it was not a talent I could acquire. I was always impressed by their ear and their ability to match beats and all that. That always did impress me. It seemed very talented to me to have that. But um, yeah, that's what that means. It is a reference to DJs. Uh, so now you know. Praise be to God. If anybody asks, you are ahead of the game. Michelle Vaughn, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Uh, <laughs> you do enjoy Adrian's humor? I- intentionally? On purpose? Really? I didn't even have to pay you. Come on, man. I know it. I, I-, I get that. I get that. Uh, praise be to God. Good morning to you, Colin. I don't know if I said good morning to you, Colin, but good morning to you, Colin. <coughs> How's it going, everybody? <clears throat> now, there was uh, some interesting stories in the news today that I wanted to cover and didn't get a chance. The fact that more inflation is coming. Uh, the CEO of the supermarket that my family gives a lot of money to <laughs> every single week is warning us that they're passing on the prices to us. An increase, a price increase is coming across the board. That in conjunction with the 26.5% corporate tax rate coming down range. That's fun. That's fun. Um, the governor has, uh, in, in the state of Texas, uh, other governors have already done this. Uh, DeSantis in Florida has done this. But uh, the governor of the state of Texas signed a law allowing users of social media to sue those companies over suspensions. Um, that's nice and all, but... I would like to have a little bit more teeth in that because now that burden is on us, right? That burden's on us to hire a lawyer to pay the tens of thousands of dollars necessary to sue the social media companies in order to, uh, in order to be reinstated. So thank you, Governor, but no, I, would have, <laughs> I would have appreciated uh, some criminal element to that as well. Well, how is that possible? Like the average, you know, American... You know, how can we compete against, you know, billionaire companies such as Facebook and Twitter and, and you yeah, know, YouTube? They, they have an army of, of attorneys, right? Mm-hmm. They can afford, they have billions of dollars. They can afford these legal battles. Mm-hmm. They don't want them. They can afford them. Um, yeah. But like we're a 501c3 not-for-profit and tomorrow morning we begin the process of asking our listeners to donate to provide for our needs. Mm-hmm. To pay our salaries, to to pay for the lights, the the broadcast, you know, uh, the radio towers, electrical bills, all of this stuff costs a lot of money, and it's our listeners who provide for that. Do we ask our listeners to also pay for a, a, a legal battle against YouTube because YouTube doesn't mm-hmm. want to let us talk about what we want? Um, I don't think that's I don't think that, I don't think it'd be appropriate use of donor dollars unless a donor came in and said, "Here's some money specifically to go and yeah. combat YouTube." Could in you which imagine? Case, let's go at yes, him. Let's do this. <laughs> I mean, like, but that was been one of my arguments for a long time. Where is the George Soros of the Catholic world? You want an evil person mm-hmm. to try to take? No, over the Catholic- I want I want his doppelganger. I want his opposite. I, I want the complete photo negative. I want the incredibly Come wealthy on, group of Catholics who have a heart for Christ and for salvation of souls, which, by the way, is one of the major themes in the early church fathers on today's gospel passage is the saving of souls, not of material things. 
Think about that, right? Mm -hmm. How we've elevated creation itself, a material thing, to be much higher on the spectrum than its intended place is, over that of the salvation of souls. Uh, So we live in a day and an age where wealthy Catholics will give to that cause, you know, the environment, but to the evangelization of souls, well, too few dollars in my opinion. Too few. Uh, So where are these wealthy Catholics that might support a cause like that? Because a major lawsuit ought to be brought against them. But I can't, I can't, in my, I just can't justify the use of donor dollars in a lawsuit against social media. I don't see mm-hmm. it. I don't think it'd be a, a good cause. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. I know it. I tell you the truth. Come on, man. Yeah. What are we talking about? I don't know either. Can, uh, can we either. talk about Mel Gibson's video? Oh, nope. We would, but guess who just kicked us off the radio? Me. Awkward. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. Michelle Vaughn says, I do enjoy Adrian's humor. You're welcome. Um, <clears throat> Michelle, I'm sorry about your head injury. You're very Our welcome. deepest sympathies. We're going to be praying for your health, Michelle. Uh, <laughs> your psychological well-being is obviously affected, so we're going to be praying. I'm, te- I'm teasing. Teasing. Disrespect. <laughs> yeah. Shake my maybe, head. I would say maybe tomorrow, but we're not doing an after show for the rest of the week. Awkward. So maybe Mel Gibson, we could talk about him next week, but by then, who's going to remember? I don't know. Uh, but it was very interesting. Check out the Mel Gibson video if you've not seen it already. But uh, God bless you, and please do us a favor. As I said, do call in a pledge during the share It would mean a lot to us, especially if you mention Catholic Drive Time in your comments. That would be wonderful. And if you say, Adrian the Meanie, I will pray extra prayers just for you. God Thank bless. you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
$150 a year. So you're still not even at that level. And the only thing they're going to get is an email with a downloadable link. They're not going to get Good morning. Email. Morning, morning. Uh, for where I'm at, it's uh seven seven forty five. I don't know. Uh, is it is it afternoon for you? Oh, it's eight forty five here. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We're gonna be uh getting hit with that uh that little tropical storm in a second. Oh, excellent. I'm gonna go find some coffee. Alrighty. Sometimes they, they do it from Dallas, sometimes they do it from Midland, but they, Dallas is the technical hub anyway. So what I was going to say is tomorrow you should um, really listen to that first first couple of hours. You really pay attention to how they do what they do and give you a little bit idea of what to expect once we go on at night. My strategy is just to, uh, you know, imitate the uh, Ecclesia Day communities. Talking to what? Talking to y'all. Oh, it's hard to tell. 
You're going to just beg the whole time? Did I say that? I, I didn't say that. I'm just saying I'm going to imitate them. I don't know. I don't know what you mean. I see a name. Yes, give me a second. So your face, no, no audio. Got your audio now. But um, uh-huh. yeah, I'm gonna add to it. Make sure you get added to the to the uh, the, 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 the 
Yeah, it looks better. <laughs> it sounds better. Yeah, it sounds like you're in the room. Uh, the uh, your video ha- is, has a uh, it's a, it's a video for radio. Six minutes. No pressure. See, I see you and I hear you for now. This is like a, an interrogation video where you can't see the person's face. You can just see the light background. We're going to distort your voice.
Right. Truth is relative. Okay. Speaking of my truth, my truth is we are starting in 50 seconds. Going to go put you on mute and we'll be on in just a second. 